Welcome to Leading the Change. In this episode, we speak to MEP for Dublin, Francis Fitzgerald, and Catherine Callaghan, who is a newly selected Finnegal candidate for the local elections in June of next year, 2024. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Thanks. Thank you both for, for joining. Um, Francis, I'm going to start with you um, because you began your career as a social worker. Uh, and, and I would love to know more about, uh, and I know it from your work in the European Parliament now, you know, the social space, that social contract is still incredibly important to you. Um, how has that informed over the entire journey of your political career? Well, I suppose what you find out as you get older is how much everything that you've done in the course of your career and your life and your life experience informs your politics and comes into play at different times. And that's what I've found. And so your experiences really matter at every point along the way. Uh, and they inform you as you go along. I mean, it's common sense, isn't it? But let me give you an example. So. Uh, I did social science in UCD, which I adored. I was a social worker for about 20 years. I loved working with children and families. It's very much a people sort of profession. And politics is a people profession. It's a people business. You've got to like working with people, listening to people, hearing their point of views, their view, hearing their point of view, being able to take different perspectives into account. And, and so I was working with children and families. I became Minister for Children. So everything I had done as a social worker, working on my own in a small children's hospital, uh, working in a mental health team in St. James's Hospital, working with uh, young adolescents in London when I lived in London for seven years, all of that came into play when I was Minister for Children and when I was Minister for Justice doing mediation. I had done a mediation course. I brought in a mediation bill. You know, there's endless kind of connections. So it, it, it did inform me. It's a, it's a great start, social work. I love social work. Yeah, an incredible point, too, for anybody listening, and hopefully there's many, that your career path uh, is not linear and you constantly just pick up pieces, I say, pieces of gold dust along the way to your to your point. I think it's a point for women to really take on board particularly because women get very worried. I heard Jennifer mm-hmm. talking about this. If they take time out for childcare or mm-hmm. child rearing and uh, are out of the workforce. I remember being kind of terrified going back into the workforce after I had my three children at different points. I thought, I don't understand what they're talking about. You feel this sense of strangeness, but it quickly goes and you get sort of back in. But women worry about whether they can pick up their career. I notice it particularly with young women at the moment, very concerned about opting out of law firms. Where will my career go? I think you have to have a sort of basic sense of doing what you think is right mm-hmm. at the particular time. Uh, now, obviously, there's huge financial pressures on uh, on couples and younger women at present as well and there isn't much of a choice but ideally I'd like to see lots of parental leave in the younger years and then people making whatever choices uh, as couples they want to make. Choice. Yes really important. Mm. Uh, I'm going to bring in you Catherine because we're really really delighted uh, not only to have you on the podcast but recently uh, uh, come through convention for Tullow in County Carlow uh, and is our election uh, our local election candidate um, who gave a stellar convention speech, I've been told. Um, shout out to that. But you're here today with uh, one of our of Finnegal's most inspirational women, uh, uh, MEP Frances Fitzgerald. Um, um, and she's in good company too. I think that's fair enough to say um, with yourself. But your background and very similar to Frances in terms of the various pieces and careers that you have picked up along the way um, that is 
ultimately going to really feed into your political career. Um, uh, farmer, uh, you write for the Farmer's Journal. Uh, you also work as an SNA. Um, you have a wealth of experience within the Defence Forces. Um, and I'd love to hear from you is why you decided you wanted now to pursue a career in politics. Um, thank you, Maria. Big question. <laughs> Big question. Um, well, I suppose for myself and people who know me best would say it's a natural progression for mm. me now. Um, as Francis said, our experience and everything that we do in our lives to this point informs the next, I suppose, evolution of where mm. we will go. Even the home I was born into, my grandmother lived with us. So I suppose we I, I had a very good grounding from a very young age that there the world is occupied by many people, mm -hmm. you know, and it's important to have a, a view uh, of how other people might be experiencing the world rather than, a, you know, an individualistic view. So I suppose from an early point of view, it was always trying to help others who might need help, you know, from the position that you're in. Mm -hmm. And I've carried that through um, in my life uh, when I took my time from my career to raise my children, to stay at home with them. Of course, I wasn't really at home. I was at home, but I was also then started uh, farming then 10 years ago. It wasn't something, it wasn't a career that I, it wasn't a, I wasn't born on a farm. That was something that I grew into as well. Mm -hmm. And I find now that I'm very involved in my GA club. Actually, when I returned home after living in Dublin for a number of years, there was no um, opportunity for my daughters to be involved in a GA club because there was, there was no female sport for them. Whereas my son had a different experience when we landed back in Kildavan. You know, he had... He had an opportunity straight away to become part of the community, whereas my daughters didn't. Now, granted, one of them was five weeks old, so she wasn't going to be <laughs> joining straight away. It takes but time. It, it takes does time take time. Yeah. So yeah. I got involved. Then we re reformed the Camogie Club and it's just gone from strength to strength. And I, I, I'm very aware of, even though at the time I thought, well, I'll just do what I can. Looking back now, what I when I did what I could do, it had a massive impact on mm. on not just my my daughter's lives, my children's lives, but also then the lives of their peers. And now we actually have a Camogie club that caters from children as young as four all the way up to adults. Actually, our oldest playing member is 59. And that opportunity wouldn't be available had I not done what I mm. thought I could do, you know, stepped in. And I feel now like that the ability that I have and the experience that I've learned, I feel the calling to try and help more in my community now, not just in a, mm. in the GA circles. Mm. So mm. I guess, and I'll carry, uh, I'll carry everything that I've learned this far to the next, my next, uh, yeah. evolution of yeah. trying to live, um, a well, a well, a well-lived life. Mm. Yeah. Francis, did, uh, picking up from Catherine's point, you know, did you feel you personally then wanted to achieve with with all um, the the various careers? Um, uh, did that intertwine, and then you're like, right, policy at the policy making level is where I need to go next, or was it a case of happy happy circumstances that how they phrase it? Well, I, I was um, I got involved when I came back from living in London with my eldest child. I a bit like yourself, Catherine. I set up a local uh, support group for women in my local area. Just sort of asked the, I think the Eastern Health Board at the time, HSE now, uh, could we have a room in the local health centre? And I, I just kind of got involved in meeting other women there because I didn't you know know that many people in the locality. So that was sort of the first thing I, I did. 
And then I got interested in an organisation, a bit like Women for Election, actually, very similar uh, there before Women for Election, called the Women's Political Association. It was kind of out of interest. There was a meeting on in relation to some topic or other, and I went along to it, and it was kind of really interesting. It was trying to get more women into politics. People like uh, Gemma Hussey, uh, Nuala Fennell, Monica Barnes had been involved in it. And I just sort of went along out of interest, not because I wanted to become a politician, but there were interesting topics. Mm -hmm. So I've always had a kind of an academic interest, and I, I'm interested conceptually in things I'm interested in how policy evolves but I so I went along to that and then I went at a certain stage before that I had gone to a meeting uh, in the RDS uh, with a man called Sean McBride and the Women's Council interestingly enough had organised it that was actually before I went to London and that kind of sparked an interest I wasn't involved in student politics at all um, I just did my social work and all of my placements and really got a lot from that and then um so I, I got very involved in the Women's Political Association. I became chair of it um, while I was at home and doing a bit of part-time social work and child rearing. And then um, I got more and more interested. And what happened actually was that I started being approached by, uh, by a political parties saying, would you be interested in running? And uh, in the local elections, I think it was, there were even stories saying I'd agreed to run, which I hadn't. And um, so I didn't do that. I stayed with the National Women's Council, although I had joined Fine Gael back in 85. As a young mother at home, relatively young, I wrote to Gareth Fitzgerald and said how much I admired what he was doing. And oh, my family amazing. would always have been uh, Fine Gael. So, but then I didn't pursue being involved in Fine Gael at that point. I went to one meeting. Shouldn't really tell this story. And I thought, this is very strange. There were a couple of people there arguing with one another. And I just didn't go back at that point. Mm -hmm. And when Garrett asked me to run and he said, uh, I told him I had written to him in joint. He said, oh, that's very handy. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> typical Garrett, you know. And he invited me to run. And I always say my first election, and I hope yours is the same, Catherine, was the easiest. Because I got elected after about six weeks, you know. I was doing, I was well known from the work I was yeah. doing as chair of the Women's Council. So it kind of happened like that. And mm -hmm. I, I really... During my work as chair of the Women's Council, we were influencing policy. And I remember going into the door one day and seeing all these men down there in the chamber. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it, like, that it was such a male space. Mm. And uh, I kind of thought, that's got to change. And that was the beginning of the sort of women in decision-making piece that I worked on. Mm. So it, was, it wasn't out of a wish to be a minister or anything else. It was much more out of interest and getting the opportunity, having done the voluntary sort of NGO work. Yeah. Just moving Curiosity into a different space, you. a bit like Catherine. Yeah. yeah. Curiosity really yes, led it was. you. Yeah. And passion to serve. I yes. Mean, I mean, I, I, I loved forms. working on social issues. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, just picking up from Francis in terms of that very male dominated and and sadly we still see it in many delegations in many countries in Europe now and um, and the doll yeah and the doll still yeah, yeah and local councils so yes. um, paved a long way but still a lot more to do mm -hmm. I would love to pick up on and I briefly mentioned it um, in the previous uh, question but you were a member of the Defence Forces and you were a part of the Air Corps yes uh, is public service um, obviously something that ran in your family, uh, ran in yourself, you know, did you feel similar to Frances when, when she looked at politics first that you were, or did you see gender, uh, when you joined the Air Corps first or? No, um, the short answer is public service doesn't run in my family. Um, but lots of things haven't run in my family, I guess, um, What's important to me, I think, is equity of opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and the home that I was born into had a huge amount of um, 
be- belief and love, but not an awful lot of, you know, money or cash. It was this that socioeconomic background I didn't have, but that didn't. I suppose we had lots of other things that helped us, and and, and that kind of sense of self-belief that was instilled by my parents within me that you can still go out and do and make changes and do Mm. what you need to be and be yourself and don't let anybody else hold you back that has helped me I I guess I I I didn't I I I didn't hold me back and Mm. it's not going to hold my children or anybody else back and now in terms of how I ended up joining the Air Corps that was because in the school that I went to, our wonderful career guidance teacher said uh, he made an announcement at one point when I was in sixth year and he said, OK, now there are apprenticeships in the Air Corps and this year women c- or girls can join. <laughs> Not that any of you girls here would be any good at that. So what would any <laughs> proper <laughs> woman say to that or young child say to that or young girl said, all right, you watch this then. So that's how I ended up joining. Um, but I, I knew then even when I went for the interview in Cahalbrew Barracks that I liked the feeling. Mm. I liked this feeling. I liked this atmosphere here and it would give me an opportunity to, you know, to change kind of the life that I was in and, to, you know, to, to, to evolve as a person. And so uh, the, I was so absolutely, I fell on my feet in the class that I joined, the apprentice class that I joined in Baldonald because it was myself and 29 boys. And when I tell you now that in the space, that's 30 years ago now, those 29 boys and have evolved into 29 men and we still meet up every year. And, and I am like one of the boys, you know, and and I guess it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm any less of a woman, but they accept me as one of them there's no difference I don't see any gender they don't see any gender with me either we're just fluid we did the same um the same training and I think that they would say and they have said that my presence in the class changed the dynamic in the class for the better you know and and so I think that I think that the more women that get involved to change the balance, you know, to, to, to address the balance, I should say, I think that men will recognize that as well, that it's a welcome thing. Mm-hmm. It's nice to, to, to have that. They mightn't recognize either that they're missing, you know. Yeah. It's, it's normal for them to look into the chamber and see loads of men. It's normal for them. But I don't think um, if... Uh, well, I think it would be interesting to see then when there are more women involved and there will inevitably more, be more women involved in the, in, you know, in the very near future and, and, and further out, that males will be grateful of that as well. I don't think. I think what you're talking about there, Catherine, I mean, it really rings bells with me because you're really talking about critical mass and, mm. and you're talking mm. about opportunity, which yeah. I hold totally dear in inclusivity. Yeah. Um, you know, because it is a, d- a different situation if there's one woman and 29 or 28 mm. men and if there were 10 women and the rest were male or mm. if it was a majority women. You know, it's it's about getting the best out of both genders mm. and getting the best out of out of everybody and yeah. opening the doors to everyone. But if it's one out of uh, twenty nine, um, you're you're a minority. And I I think being in a minority is a difficult position. Even in the doll, you have a minority of women. So minorities have very particular issues to deal with in terms of having a space and a voice. And I think that's the problem, and particularly when it's to do with career. 
you know, look at the wonderful opportunities you had there. And you, mm. you want to see more women getting that. Oh, absolutely. So I've been in cabinet yeah. with one or two women. I've been in a cabinet with five women. Uh, and that makes a difference it in does. terms mm. of influence, the topics that are discussed, the way they're spoken about. Because as you say, even one, you're being one person and a formidable woman amongst those men changes yeah, the conversation and yeah. the behavior. Yeah, because it brings that different energy. Natural. It yes, is, yeah. It brings that lovely yes, female yeah. energy in, and you yeah. know, and that's really, really important. It's really yeah. powerful. And it just brings a different kind of a tone to it, you know. It does, and opportunity. And, and of course, we've broadened our notions of inclusivity and gender as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just good if we can get into that space, I think. Yeah. Picking 100%. up from that point, um, uh, and the mentorship angle you know how important has mentoring been to you throughout your career and and I know you 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 also do it uh, with, with yeah, myself and of, with many yes, others I've, I've done a lot of mentoring myself over the years uh, I'm very glad I, you know I, I've hold a lot of responsibility for some of the people I've mentored including uh, Leo and uh, Lucinda and Jennifer and <laughs> lots of people, you know, Simon Harris, um, you know, they've either worked with me or, you know, certainly I've, I've done mentoring with all of them. Um, mentoring is really important. I think, I suppose what I would say is the more leadership you take on, the more support you need, mm-hmm. ironically. You often think it's the opposite, you know, as people progress and become ministers, whatever, you know, oh, well, you're capable and independent, you get on with things. Actually, the opposite is probably true. Equally, at the beginning of your career, if you can find some good people who will tell you what it's like, mm-hmm. what the pathway is, what you need to do as a local councillor, a TD, whatever, paint the picture, do the map for you, because there is a map to it. There yeah. is, a, you know, there are things you need to know. And even then, it's very complicated, mm-hmm. I would say. But mentoring has been really important to me. And, uh, I, you know, I've had, I've had good mentors myself. I mean, you need people to talk to, to support you, actually. Because uh, I think politics, we haven't talked about this side of politics, but politics is tough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very competitive. Um, it's tough. Um, I, Richard Bruton often describes it as like, you know, uh, like an entrepreneur, that you're an entrepreneur. You're in a team, but you're an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. And it's kind of an interesting yeah. balance between really working uh, to progress your, yourself mm-hmm. and your goals and your team, as it were. And then also you're part of the team that is Fina Gale, of course. Yeah. That's central. That's the identity. Uh, but you're, you're managing, you know, a tough space, actually, quite often mm-hmm. with a, in a lot of challenges. I'm not sure they've got any less with social media and, and so on now for younger women than they were uh, when I got involved. But I didn't think of the challenges when I got involved. I was just thrilled. Mm-hmm. remember the first day I walked into the door and I was elected. I thought, God, this is amazing. You know, I was thrilled. <laughs> I mean, because so many people go out and bat for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fantastic mm-hmm. part. All of those people sort of who are behind you, your family, uh, those people who canvass. I would say you never forget anybody who canvasses for you mm-hmm. because it just means so much. And there are people who want to work behind the scenes and who will support you. But mentoring is very important. Mm-hmm. I would say you have to find places where you can think well about what's happening and what's happening to you. I think that's the key. And I, I just wanted to pick up um, um, before I, I chat with you, Catherine, on um, your mental health work, because I, I would hate for this conversation to end and not do that. But I really wanted to pick up for both, but, mm-hmm. but start with you, Francis. You know, on it is challenging. Politics is incredibly challenging. Four years young, <laughs> there's days where um, yeah. I, I often say uh, to young people when we do the Blue Star visits or the European Ambassador School visits, like there's days where I walk into the parliament and I'm like, today's going to be a great day. And then 16 hours later, I'm like, I don't know just what happened today. Um, uh, it was it was challenging. Like on those on those challenging days, you've held many ministerial positions. Um, like every career, there's been ups and challenges. 
what have you drawn on in yourself or or the people? Like, what are those experiences? Because, you know, more than likely we do have uh, candidates, um, people who are thinking about joining the party, people who are thinking about putting their hand up, who see it on social media, the good days yeah. and the bad days. And I often don't think we 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 as women hold the space of, yeah, here's what I did um, and here's how I got through it and here's a mentor or here's the shoulder uh, that I leaned on when I needed it the most. Well, I've no doubt a lot of people, uh, men and women, look at politics at the moment and say I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. I mean, it's very adversarial. It's very difficult. Look at my own experiences. Um, And I understand that. And for a period, I thought, would I encourage young women to go into politics uh, when I had a particularly difficult time? I really did seriously wonder. But what's always sort of come back to me is a sense of wanting to influence, to Mm -hmm. be in there Mm -hmm. where the decisions are, are, are taken. Because in my own career, I've had an opportunity to do the children's referendum, to do marriage equality. I recommend a majority government, by the way, Maria. It's great. Makes quite a difference. Um, But equally, we're going to have coalitions probably uh, from now on. That's what it looks like. But so I think people can look at politics, uh, particularly the type of politics we do in Ireland, which is very adversarial. It doesn't have to be like that. You see other democracies behaving differently. The European Parliament is a completely different space to the Dáil. It's far more, uh, you know, in there looking for compromises. It's a a lovely atmosphere, great colleagues, uh, tough policy decisions, but none of this off of their head stuff, which we Mm -hmm. see in Ireland all the time. So I don't like that kind of politics. I don't believe it has to be like Mm -hmm. that, but that's what we have. So how do you cope with it? With difficulty, I would say. I mean, there's fantastic highs. Do the highs outweigh the lows? Yes, mm-hmm. probably in my case, because I've had so many good opportunities to, to take in decisions that impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you cope? I think you'd want to be sure of your own resilience. I mean, how I coped was I'm looking at that I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Um, so good support from family and friends. But very difficult when you go through the... I mean, I probably had one of the toughest times any woman has had in Fine Gael, actually, given the position I was like in. A person in politics, mm. it's yes. fair to say. Not yes, just very, very difficult. Party, yeah. So, mm. like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But what I would say is, don't let that put you off. Because, actually, it's really important to have mm. women and men's voices there, to be influencing, to build Fine Gael, because I believe it's the best party. Uh, we have the best history. Mm-hmm. We founded the state. We care about justice. We care about due process, all of that type of thing. But politics can be very tough. Mm. But there's lots and lots of really great times. And, you know, you build on those. Yeah, yeah. You build on those. Just picking up from, from Francis' point there, and um, we spoke uh, previously on, uh, on a front row series uh, dedicated to mental health, uh, which was fantastic because I, I believe we, we need to speak more of it. That social Absolutely. contract piece um, that you both work on. Um, and you're a member of Carlo Mental Health. I know before this you were chatting about walking a Camino in the west of Ireland on That's behalf correct. of Carlo Mental Health. Yeah. Um, also mentioned your mother uh, to three children. Um, how do you manage um, to keep uh, so many uh, so many things moving within the space um, uh, and you know, and getting ready for a local election, uh, that is going to be challenging, uh, as, as Francis rightly pointed out, uh, next next year. Um, you know, how, how do you find that resilience piece, that, that build on piece? I find it by, I manage to keep everything moving by being still. Oh. Yeah. That's what I do, Maria. I find that steadiness really is my superpower. It's every, it can be everybody's superpower, but I find that if, 
you can really make a deliberate decision when you have downtime. How are you going to spend it? You want to spend it sitting in front of the TV? You going to spend it scrolling on your phone? You going to spend it in a... I feel like you're looking into my... Evening. Yeah, sorry. Well, it's everybody's <laughs> evenings, you know, because we're exhausted from how frantic the world is. Mm. And then we sometimes, naturally enough, think that, well, if I'm tuning out, I'll watch the screen, I'll watch the TV. That'll give me... But it doesn't replenish us. It doesn't help us prepare for the next day. Whereas if we could spend that time just being in stillness and trying to really... You see, when you find stillness, then your mind, yes, will be whirling. Of course it will. But once we really try and sit with ourselves and listen to what our body is telling us and, you know, really listening to that kind of inner guidance, then it helps us to become more efficient and more effective in the world. So then when we're in our working lives and I'm moving, I'm trying to move or I'm endeavoring to move from what is the private sphere into the public mm -hmm. sphere. And I know I have a, a, like a lot to learn and I have, you know, even how, you know, how we express ourselves. But but I know that when I carry that steadiness with me, I'm able to make a deliberate decision. I'm able to it, it, it helps me to express myself most authentically, you know, and even if I make a decision and a deliberate decision and it's the wrong one or it's I, I choose the wrong words, then I don't beat myself up about it. When I go back then to sit with myself, I try to befriend mm -hmm. myself and then, OK, right. Well, why did you say that? I wonder. I'm curious about it. Yeah. I don't get on to myself about it. I'm like, well, I wonder why I said that. Mm, OK, next time I find myself in that situation, I will remember that I can I can go at it a different way. Mm -hmm. So 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 therefore you it helps you have way more energy. That's what I feel. I feel like I have loads of energy yeah. so I can keep all of the all of the balls in the air, all of the plates spinning. And and if I drop one, it's not the end of the world. You know, I find and this resilience is really important. I do think that we're born with um, an innate sense of resilience. But I think the busyness in the world, resilience needs to be practiced as well. And I know that we often shy away or try to protect ourselves from uh, discomfort or pain. And we also do that to the people that we love, you know, but I suppose if we when we're trying to build resilience, we have to expose ourselves a little bit to that Mm -hmm. sense of discomfort and then the the other thing I find um currently is that when people get a setback when they when they suffer a setback when they suffer a knockback they're almost not allowed feel the knockback they're expected to bounce back straight away and that that's a measure of their resilience how quickly they can bounce back but in my experience, when you feel, and I would do this myself, if I get a setback or a knockback, I allow myself to feel that completely, to process it, rather than expecting myself to get straight up the next day and go back into the world. You know, I allow myself to process it. And I think then that, that would helps. really help you, Catherine, yeah. in politics, I actually, so. that sort of yeah. calmness you're speaking about mm -hmm. and resilience. But I would also say to you, just based on my own experience, uh, that politics will test that too okay. politics tests mm. that quite profoundly mm. I mean I was thinking coming in here I've done I think nine elections I've lost three 
Okay. So losing elections is tough as well, especially if you've been elected beforehand. But I think the attitudes you're talking about, the support, and I think the support the party offers as well is going to be really important mm-hmm. as we try to get more women in, into Fine Gael, into politics. So all of the kind of mentoring programmes in the party, they really matter now because you need that kind of objective support mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, if you can build up your own resilience, I totally agree with mm-hmm. you. And sometimes you don't know how resilient you are, actually, until you're tested, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. I mean, picking up from that point, just for the two of you, how important is it to have a team around you uh, as you start your campaign and uh, your your um, your continued mm-hmm. campaigning in, in the European uh, elections and so on? You know, having a mentor to call on, having a team, an internal team to, to tap into that resilience piece. Yeah. Love to hear more about that. Well, I think leadership matters as well. Your own leadership matters because you, you kind of build the team yourself, you know. Uh, whether you're leading a, a staff or whether you're leading volunteers mm-hmm. or whatever, like the buck does stop with you, actually, you know, so you, you know, if you're the candidate, uh, you have to know what you're about and you have to sort of build that team. Mm-hmm. But the team is incredibly important and different skills in the team really matter. Yeah. And, you know, people do kind of come to you and offer. It's amazing in politics. Like there's so many people out there who want to help, yeah. actually, and who love canvassing. Who, who uh, you know, are good on the finances, who are good on the, the mapping out the strategy, who are great at writing, you know. I mean, that all matters hugely. It's, it's about building up different skills that are kind of available to you and that you bring uh, to the campaign and the team as well. And people love campaigns, you know. I yeah. mean, you know, we worry about people not coming to meetings in between, but actually it's the campaigns they really yeah. love, you know. It's the excitement of the election. But to your point, I mean, I was when, in 2019 when, when I when I ran, you know, first election, hadn't grown up in party politics. I was really, I was really blown, blown away at a, the people that rocked up just to knock at the door on behalf of the party. And I was a candidate of that party. Mm -hmm. And then you had, which I think is where the powerful tool for women is you have people who are just so passionate about seeing difference in their politics and or really championing a female from their community or wanting to have more resilience conversation with empathy um, Mm -hmm. around uh, around any social issue Mm -hmm. that's impacting their family or their wider community and then you start seeing people who come out for for you personally for the party and then it just evolves. It like, does. It's yeah. amazing. It, it does. It's one of the great joys, actually, of, of politics is that sort of team building. Not to give away too many secrets because we're, we're still a little bit out, <laughs> but how is your team building going? And I know um, uh, you were a part of the mentorship program. You're still in the oh, process yes. of it. And I'd just love to hear a little bit more for those that are uh, listening and, and, uh, and, and get a sense of what the mentorship program is about. The mentorship, the mentorship program is, has been absolutely priceless. It's just been so good to find that I'm not alone in my desire to, you know, um, become a a local county councillor, that there are other women, loads of women, just like me Mm -hmm. across Ireland, that see their communities and see where there's a gap, where there could be a change, and then recognise in themselves then the the value of their life experience, the work that they've done in the private sphere and how that can transition really, really well, really effectively and can bring huge value to the to public life. Um, Deirdre and Lavinia have been wonderful. They just, you know, no matter what 
sort of a wobble one might have, you can phone and they'll be able to help you or send an email. And, and, and then the other women that have been involved in the program as well, we've, I feel like we've developed a great camaraderie. Mm. And I know we met in person the first day and then we've had several Zoom calls and we've had some great speakers, including Francis. Um, I'm so looking forward to us meeting again in person Mm. in in September. All I can say is it really has given us, I feel like I have a a group, you know, that we're having this shared group experience that's that's, um, very, very valuable. Mm. Um, In in terms of my local community, then I have my my friends and and people who have worked on the committees with me at home um, and they're all offering their support um, when I phoned many of our members before convention even people that I didn't know personally that lived in our area they were very um, excited and delighted to, just to, to, to reiterate what you had said Maria that we have a woman putting herself forward mm-hmm. you know and like what you've said Francis as well like lots of people recognise well I, I wouldn't actually step into politics at yes. the moment because of the environment that it is but I, and I I did resist it for a while I have to say that but too many things fell into place for me first of all and then the second thing then I thought well look I'm not the type of person to stand on the sideline and shout in at the game yeah. I actually have to get in get down into the Coliseum yeah, exactly mm. because how else do we make any change unless you try and get involved and as and so much change is needed you know you so gave the changes. example of your yeah. your young daughter and no sports mm, facilities yeah. in the area yeah. 30 years years ago as chair of the Women's Council I launched an initiative on women into sport and actually 30 years later you're beginning to see those changes you know Mm -hmm. whether it's in the local uh, teams in the GA club the change in the GA in terms of inclusivity uh, and also then in the broader community but Mm. it's I mean it's only recently again that you've seen that you know there weren't the facilities there for your daughters so making Ireland a truly inclusive uh, place it's unfinished business you know I I often use the phrase Marie's heard me using it the unfinished democracy you know for, for lots of people yeah. and you know a bit like you Catherine I was completely driven by the idea of of uh, in, you know dealing with inequality because mm. I think it's the biggest scourge in our society really and definitely. you need policies to deal with that and we still struggle with it yeah. you see the debates even now about what do we do with the money you know all yeah. this money we have absolutely yeah. I, I just think about even the the differences though that have happened see if if I was to to be a child now in my local community the the opportunities that are now available that weren't available in my time. Mm. And that's a testament to the policies that have been put in. Exactly. You know, even um, I heard Minister Harris speaking today on the drive up about the new initiative now that they're opening for further education that you don't have to, now it might be 500 places this, this year from September, that you don't have to, they're not focused fully on points in the leave insert. And I know if that was available to me at the time, mm. then you know, third level education would have been more of an opportunity or would have been available to me. It wasn't available to me. It, it wasn't available because it was outside of, our, you know, our resources at home. Yeah. You know, I did go to third level, but as a mature student. Um, choice. Choice. Choice yeah. is powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Opportunity Equity well. of opportunity. I mean, like, it's yeah. it's opportunity. Like, how absolutely. ridiculous yeah. that you didn't have the choice yeah. and how fantastic is this new initiative from Simon? Yeah, you know, absolutely I, he kept, you know, saying today on the on that interview, um, oh, it's, you know, for those who don't kind of aren't really good at rote learning. And I thought, you know, you're so right. There's yeah. so many people who aren't who yeah. find it such a pain. Yeah. Absolutely. And you may have, you know, ADHD or a difficulty mm-hmm. with rote learning, but you can be a fantastic, you know, 
doctor, yeah. you know, yeah, nurse, yeah. soldier, yeah. anything, yeah. anything, yeah. you know, apprentice, you know, yeah, opportunity. Final question to you. Um, uh, you know, you meet you you meet a powerful woman uh, walking towards you. Um, um, actually, I'm going to phrase that differently. Uh, you're at a networking event um, and you meet someone who walked in on their own. Um, and say a political party or a branch, what would you, what advice would you offer uh, in 10 seconds or 30 seconds to say, you know, this place is for you. Uh, we need more women like you in the party. Um, and, and, and here's where I think why. Oh, <laughs> do you want to take that one first, Francis? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm quite here. simple, really. I, I would say believe in yourself mm. and what you want, to, what you really want to do. Because I would say, um, you know, I've underestimated, my, underestimated myself mm -hmm. in various ways over the years. And it can be difficult when you're in a, you know, a more majority male environment, uh, as I have often been. Uh, I would say have your voice, keep your voice, use your voice. I think keeping voice is really important and it can be very difficult at times in politics, mm -hmm. actually. But this confidence issue, it amazes me that it's still comes up for so many younger mm. women. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think we still live probably, uh, not just probably, we do live in a sexist environment still, even though there's been massive changes, as you were saying, Catherine. Mm. And uh, that impacts that impa impacts on, you know, mm. place and opportunity still. Uh, but obviously it's changed dramatically. I would totally acknowledge that. So I think that kind of really trusting your inner belief, your inner gut, what you really believe, and finding ways and places of saying that because, you know, women are often right, Marie, yeah. as you know. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you? I might say, um, I'll stand beside you. Come on. We'll give it a go. Perfect. What else, yeah. Perfect. Thank mm. you very much, Francis Fitzgerald. Catherine, thank you. Thank you, um, Maria. Super delighted to, to head at some point out on the campaign trail with you. Oh, thank um, you, Maria. Um, and we head back to Parliament. Thank <laughs> you, Maria. Thank you, guys. What a great conversation. I really enjoyed Frances sharing her plethora of experience from social work right up into uh, her parliamentarian work uh, here in the, in the European Parliament. And with Catherine, just her understanding and her building of resilience and the importance of that in politics. In the next episode, I will be speaking to two people who are normally behind the curtain. Finnegal staffers Kathleen Fahey and Deirdre Campbell. Uh, about all things candidate development and diversity and about how Finnegale can support you in your political journey. And if you'd like to learn more about how you could lead the change, visit finnegale.ie forward slash get involved. There's loads of stories from some of our representatives about why they got involved, plus lots of useful information about how Finnegale can support you. Speak to you next time.